Hello, hello, and welcome back to Something to Noodle On. I've been thinking a lot lately about FOMO. I mean, it's hard not to when you're seeing fun things people are doing online, whether it's people you know going to Europe or Taylor Swift concert tickets that everyone is managing to get but you, or maybe it's as simple as buying the latest Oreo flavor. When we boil it down, advertising for new experiences are all around us. Marketers are constantly coming up with new ways to grab our attention and get us to try their products. But when something new and maybe a little strange hits the shelves, does it really come down to good marketing tactics? Or does FOMO, or the fear of missing out, play a larger part in getting us to buy whatever it is they're selling? Either way, let's talk about it on today's episode of Something to Noodle On. First, let's talk about why this is an important argument in the first place. Over the years, there have been some really wacky new products that are turning heads and making us take a second to reconsider if two very different things can even really work together. We're talking about products like Pepsi or Cola Chup or even Mustard Skittles, which we'll dive into those topics later. It's these kinds of off-the-wall pairings that have paved the way for this summer's Barbenheimer campaign. You know, the Barbie movie versus the Oppenheimer movie. One is bright and pink and celebratory, while the other showcases one of the darkest moments in humanity's history. While this was largely a fan-created campaign that took off on social media, it's still a great example of FOMO versus good marketing. It's not just that fans have encouraged moviegoers to watch both of these very different movies on the same day, they've also shared photos and videos of themselves going from one movie to the other, showing off their clothing and accessory style for each one. Some fans have gone from the Barbie-inspired pink look to Oppenheimer's-inspired black clothing and vice versa. You might have even seen the images and videos of people splitting their outfits in half, dressing their left side for one movie and the right for the other. But what it eventually really boils down to is, do I really want to see both movies? Or do I just want to be part of the shared experience I see all over social media? Let's take a moment to step back and recognize the influence different marketing strategies have on consumers. When you really think about it, the whole point of marketing centers on the idea that people can't buy a product if they don't know it exists. So in order for companies to generate revenue, they have to do whatever they can to get the audience's attention. There are many different marketing strategies that companies or ad agencies can take advantage of to create awareness of their goods and services. Obviously, these have changed over the years, but there are two big categories of strategies that have emerged and persisted over time. The first category is referred to in marketing speak as outbound marketing. We don't really need to get into the nitty gritty of what that means right now, but basically all we need to understand about this strategy is that when using this method, businesses start the conversation, trying to reach out to as many customers as possible. Imagine it being like a random cell phone ringing on a bench in the middle of a city street with really heavy foot traffic. There's lots of potential recipients, but no guarantee that whoever hears and picks up is actually interested in what the caller has to offer. This type of marketing gained popularity with the rise of radio, television, and newspapers. 
Businesses placed print ads and broadcast commercials hoping that they made their way to the eyes and ears of interested customers who would then seek out their product and make a purchase. There is some nuance involved in where to place ads to make sure they reach the right audience. Think Nickelodeon airing commercials for popular kids' toys, but this form of advertising is often lost on consumers with no need or interest in kids' toys. Cable TV is especially guilty of this, but most of my generation had different ways to avoid ads that they didn't want to see. Commercial breaks became the time for changing the channel or muting the television or heading to the kitchen to grab a snack. Now, I'm not gonna lie though, I was a weird kid and I actually liked and still do like TV commercials. Not because it gives you a chance to grab a snack or use the washroom, but because it tells an interesting story. On average, commercials are about 30 second ad spots. So a company has half a minute to tell you why you need their product. To me, the storytelling is really interesting. And if you're older, then you might remember the commercials to be a little bit more crazy back then. I'm not kidding. Go look at old commercial compilations on YouTube. From anti-drug campaigns to Tang, marketers had 30 seconds to catch your eye. And as a highly impressionable person, they always caught mine. In fact, my parents are avid commercial break channel flippers. When they would change the channel, I would beg them to go back because the commercial seemed interesting. Nowadays, if you don't have cable, the commercials on Hulu or other streaming services with ads are for cars and medication mostly. During the Super Bowl though, people make it a point to watch the commercials so they don't feel left out of the conversations at work the next day. Sure, the big game is interesting too, but people want to know what Skittles, Starburst, and Doritos are going to come up with next. It's been 16 years and I still quote the berries and cream commercial. Advertisers are creating FOMO, so you want to stick around and watch their ads. Granted, I haven't seen an innovative TV ad in a really long time, but that doesn't mean advertisers aren't getting creative anymore. When consumers gained widespread access to residential internet services, marketing strategies started to change. It took a few years for internet marketing to fully take shape and evolve into what it is now, but eventually, online marketers developed inbound marketing strategies. These are the opposite of the print and broadcast ads because they rely on internet users to start the conversation first. Then they can develop a fully tailored experience for potential customers. Visiting a website, requesting information, saving items to a wish list, making a purchase, or engaging with a brand on social media are all ways that customers tell a company that they're interested in their product. With online shopping, businesses have more access to our personal data than they do with brick and mortar shopping. Unless you hook into the store's Wi-Fi. Ever wonder why you don't have service in grocery stores? It's by design. They want you to connect to their Wi-Fi so they can track what aisle you're standing in and what products you're spending a lot of time in front of. That way, they can send you coupons and suggestions based on your shopping patterns. You may think this isn't true or that I have a tinfoil hat on, but I used to work in a big grocery store when I was in college, and this is exactly what they're doing in big box chains. As for online shopping, if you opt into email, they can examine your purchase history and include ads for products you'd likely be interested in based on what you've bought in the past. Or they can launch retargeting campaigns that when you look at an item, maybe add it to your cart, but don't make the purchase. 
you'll start to see that item in ads while you're browsing the internet. I know some of us might find that a little creepy and it kind of feels like we're being spied on, but I think that's a conversation for a whole nother day. The point is, once you approach a brand, they know you're in their target audience. Why would you look if you weren't actually interested in it? It's a lot easier to convince someone to buy when they already have one foot in the door and online marketers know how to take advantage of this. You certainly see this strategy taken advantage of on Instagram. I'll be thinking about certain clothing brands I want or a cute summer dress, but I never pull the trigger. Then I'll see a beautiful woman having the time of her life in Paris and that super cute maxi dress that I wanted. Or maybe she's sitting by the pool relaxing in that bathing suit that I was thinking about, giving the illusion that the woman who wears these things has a very luxurious life. And if I wear these things too, then I'll be poolside in no time. Of course, I know this isn't true, but these advertisements are feeding into that feeling of FOMO. Despite all these different strategies, most businesses and marketers agree that word of mouth is still the best form of advertising around, especially for lesser known brands. First of all, it's free. Also, if a product is good enough and people are excited enough, then they generate hype without any promoting from the brand itself. The main reason that word of mouth is the best though is that people trust their friends to be honest about a product more than a brand because all brands say their products are great and worth purchasing. No representative of a brand of a product is going to tell you not to buy the product. And if they do, then they're probably not very good at their job. Even if they do tell you about any potential negatives, it's always followed by some sort of benefit or feature that is more interesting and attractive than some slight product fault. Our friends, however, will be much more honest about their experiences, and they'll let us know the good, the bad, and the ugly because they care about us as people and not just as customers. But what about when the person we're getting the review from is an influencer that we absolutely adore? Jenna Marbles could probably sell me cat poop. If she told me that a product was her absolute favorite and she used it every day, hell, I'd honestly probably buy it because I'm high-key obsessed. In fact, a little-known secret that I don't tell a lot of people is she's partly the reason why I wanted to become a vegetarian in the first place. She mentioned in a video many, many years ago when she was still working for Stulala that she was vegan. At the time, I greatly respected her opinions on things and thought if she was vegan, then I wanted to try it out too. I felt like I was missing out on some big health secret. And 11 years later, I'm now vegetarian because let's be honest with ourselves, vegan cheese is just not good. But I wouldn't have thought about the idea then if it wasn't for her video. This is why social media influencers are such big players. When someone we look up to like a celebrity or well-known expert endorses a product, it makes us much more willing to get that same item for ourselves. This is pretty much the closest you can get to word of mouth without engaging in direct conversation with somebody. When it comes to internet marketing, you might have seen or heard about something called the feedback loop. It basically refers to it being easier to collect feedback from customers online. For example, have you ever been asked to complete a survey after making a purchase or perhaps been invited to share a review or testimonial about the product? This is valuable for brands because it shows where they need to improve on products, but also seeing positive reviews and ratings and testimonials can be just as effective as word of mouth and getting people to buy. 
Because let's face it, if 2,000 people reviewed a product and it has mostly four or five stars, we are more apt to get that than the same exact product from a different seller who doesn't have any reviews. It's like, if all these people love the product, then I should love it too. So why did we give you a lesson on marketing? Well, it's to help further understand some of the strategies that companies use to target our FOMO brains. A lot of these marketing strategies are especially important for unknown brands who are just trying to get you to know they exist. On the other hand, it seems that well-known brands may have a separate set of rules to follow. People already know they exist, and fans will already pay attention when they see their logo or brand stamped on the product. But what about when trusted brands combine forces and create an entirely new product? We briefly touched on this a bit earlier when we mentioned Peepsy or Cola Chup or Mustard Skittles. For those of you who aren't familiar with these, here's the breakdown. Peepsy is the unofficial fan name for the Peeps flavored Pepsi that usually pops up around Easter since that's usually the only time of year that Peeps is really relevant and widely available. Essentially, it's just marshmallow flavored Pepsi. Sounds like an odd combination, but people bought it so they could share their experience on social media. However, it's not one of the worst ones on the list if you're cringing right now. Cola Chup is another offering from the Pepsi company, though for this one, they collaborated with the Culinary Institute of American Consulting rather than a well-known food company. So what is it? This time, it's Pepsi flavored ketchup, and it was only available for a limited time at very select number of venues, specifically around the 4th of July, at only four Major League Baseball stadiums. So in a way, it makes sense to combine these two popular cookout flavors to garner intrigue. Want to try it? Gotta buy the tickets to the game. And people did. Then we have the Mustard Skittles. This is another limited release that is exactly what it sounds like. Mustard flavored Skittles. Eager customers in three different cities on the East Coast had the opportunity to try these Skittles for free, while some curious eaters had the opportunity to enter an online contest to win one of the 700 bags being made. I don't know if we want to call it a treat or a snack or a candy. I'll let you be the judge of that one. When we look into it, there are a few different things going on here with these products. First, both ingredients in the products come from well-known brands or organizations, particularly in the United States where they're being marketed. Second, the big question for most people is, do these off-the-wall combinations actually work together? Since these are well-known brands, they are taking a risk with something that could easily backfire in one or in both of their faces. It might make more sense to consumers to pair together two brands that complement each other, but from a business perspective, that may not always be a wise choice in case the two end up becoming competing brands instead. To put it plainly, these companies need a good campaign to save their efforts from failing. But once it takes off, which is more important, ads or the fact that all my friends are trying out this product and so I wanna try it out too. It almost feels like the weirder the two combinations, the better it does. People just need to know if Oreo flavored wine or Arby's french fried vodka is actually worth it. 
which if you have the opportunity to try those two things, please let me know, reach out to me. I need to know if it was actually good. But bringing it back, if we go back to the idea that word of mouth is the best form of advertising, Peepsy is a good candidate to support this. None of the ads or commercials I've seen for this product were compelling enough for me to try it. But the more I hear about my friends talking about it, the more I want to try and give it a go. Some of them have liked it a lot, while others absolutely hated it. But until I try it for myself, I really don't have much of a leg to stand on. In this case, word of mouth is creating a sense of FOMO in my mind, pushing me to take part in this shared experience with my friends. But when looking at the limited release of cola chup and mustard skittles, they had to depend on good marketing to make their sales because cola chup had one day in four locations of availability, while mustard skittles had three locations at one day each and a contest with a deadline. The time frame for success was severely limited, so their only big shot was to try and make a big wave. Obviously, word of mouth isn't going to be very effective in this case. Because even if everyone who tries cola chup and mustard skittles likes them, if we don't have time to hear about it until after the product is released and the campaign is completely over, you can't really call it FOMO if the product is discontinued because we've already missed out after barely even having a chance to buy it. Here's something to noodle on. What if FOMO is the marketing? If we think back to our discussion of inbound versus outbound marketing, when it comes to FOMO, who is actually starting the conversation? If it doesn't seem to fit neatly into either category, perhaps it's a little bit of both. But maybe tapping into FOMO makes for a successful marketing strategy because we just don't think too deeply about it. Advertising at its core has always relied on some form of manipulation to work. Ads are designed to make us view promoted products in a positive light. But if FOMO and good marketing can't be separated, doesn't that mean that no matter which way we look at it, we're being manipulated for the sake of generating revenue for the company? For example, if we take a closer look at the limited availability of cola chup and mustard skittles, can't we still argue that this takes advantage of FOMO since people wouldn't want to miss their chance to try these products before they go away forever? It's still fear of missing out. It's just not the same as missing out because all of our friends have told us how awesome the products are. Mountain Dew is another company that takes advantage of FOMO by releasing new flavors, many of which are for a limited time only. And hardcore Mountain Dew fans know that they're eager to get the next flavor as soon as it releases. And if there's only a small window of opportunity to try it, fans flock to the stores as soon as possible. Mountain Dew has also been known for running campaigns where they introduce three new flavors and then let the fans vote for their favorite to become the permanent product, sending the losers back to the vault. But wait, there's more. They've even been known to bring back losing flavors for a limited time only, so we have one more chance to try them before they vanish from stores again. But if we bring it back to the idea of FOMO and a widespread phenomenon, the Grimace Shake from McDonald's might just take the cake. It was only available for a limited time to celebrate Grimace's birthday. Much like Barbenheimer, the Grimace Shake led to a viral social media trend. 
I'm sure you've seen the TikToks where a customer orders a Grimace shake in the drive-thru, takes a quick drink, and then passes out in a purple puddle as if they were poisoned. In this case though, fans were more interested in participating in the social media trend than actually enjoying the product. Billions of views went to the thousands or maybe even millions of quick clips that copied the original video and added their own spin on the concept. Everyone wanted to either witness it or become a part of it themselves before the shapes were taken off the menu. Social media FOMO plus limited time only FOMO, what a double whammy. Also, I tried it and in my opinion, it wasn't very good. I couldn't pin down the flavor, like my brain so badly wanted it to be grape because it was purple, but it was giving some sort of mixed berry vanilla vibes. Personally, it wasn't for me. Today we threw a lot of information at you. As we bring this episode to a close, I'd like to invite you to really explore all the ways marketing plays a role in getting us to buy new goods or services. Even though we talked a lot today, we've still only just barely scratched the surface of an incredibly fascinating social and psychological construct. Ads are everywhere, constantly bombarding us with messaging designed to pull us in one direction or another. Sometimes they go viral, making us want to try the insane new creation, and other times they flop without a word. As always, I hope we gave you something to noodle on, and the next time you see a crazy campaign, think about what is compelling you to try it. Is it because the marketing called to you, or was it because Jimmy said the flavor combo was an experience and you wanted to be a part of the phenomenon too? Either way, let us know on social media by following us on Twitter at apodtonoodleon, or by joining our Discord and continuing the conversation over there. Until next time, bye!